Okay, well, we're going to be in a couple of places today. Um, so, oh, forgot I un- installed the... <laughs> ah, go away. <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh-oh, shoot, how do I... Uh-oh, there we go. Sorry, I had to uninstall my app and then start over again. <laughs> so, um, All right, here we go. So if you will thumb over and put your finger and or another finger in uh, Leviticus 16 and then scan over and uh, scan over to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be kind of all of the, all over a little bit this morning. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be you'll and you'll see why we do that for in just a minute here. Um, <coughs> Leviticus 16. <coughs> so it should be. <coughs> It should be the third book. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. <clears throat> Sorry, we my family got sick at the beginning of the week. And so now it's all the fun green stuff coming up. And so it's kind of, sometimes I like to get stuck in the throat. <clears throat> Sorry, I apologize. Ah, and then uh, Hebrews chapter 10. So we're going to, I've got a lot of slides here. I don't, I couldn't, I didn't count them this morning, but there's a lot. So I'm going I'm to get started and get right through this and get on it. So here we go. <clears throat> Have you ever felt what? Have you ever felt left out by your friends or your peers? <laughs> right? You didn't get you didn't receive the text message that everyone else did, right? It's really easy to feel bittered and upset and left out and, and abandoned. Do you ever feel like the scapegoat? from other people's faults. They put down or looked over, ignored, or the focus of someone else's anxiety or self-loathing. And take it out on you. You become the scapegoat. Did you know that the scapegoat actually comes from the Bible? We're going to talk about it today. What should relationships, especially relationships uh, between God's saints, look like? That's going to be our question we're going to talk about this morning. And the question about the anxiety of being left out or feeling like the scapegoat, do these things translate into our relationship with God? You ever said, you know, said to yourself or said to others, I never feel good enough for God. Or maybe you haven't spoken it, but maybe you've felt it. I never feel good enough for God. I never feel good enough for Christians. Like the famous line, I love your God, I just hate you Christians. <laughs> Heard that quite often, especially recently. Or even like the, the Christian, you know, the, the saint who's like wrestling, is like, I feel like I never do enough good works. Don't feel like my good works outweigh my bad works. Almost like this weird Christian karma. What should we believe our relationship with God should be like? Because it's, it's so easy to get wrapped up in legalistic Christianity, is it not? Law, rules, regulations, do not taste, do not touch. I think Paul said something about that. About that. Hmm. Much of today's evangelicalism comes from an over-legalized sense of Christian law. Because it was developed throughout throughout the years, like throughout these like 1700 years since the fourth century with Constantine, to be such. 
Because, especially because it was established as law in, in several places throughout Europe. But it was never intended biblically and by Jesus to be so. Jesus didn't die to create a new Christian law. He died to set us free from the law. Which we'll talk about here in a minute. It's so easy to get caught up in that. As we look at Yom Kippur, we're going to look at that middle one, Yom, Yom Kippur. In the Jewish law, it's easy to interpret these things in, like, in this modernized Christian law type mentality. But Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is, a, is supposed to be a time for reflection, sober-mindedness, sober and peace through faith. God's saints can celebrate Yom Kippur because our, sacri- our sacrificial lamb, our sacrificial ram, has been sacrificed. God placed all of our sins upon Him and sent Him outside the camp so that we would have peace with God through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, if you have your your thumb over there in Leviticus, we're going to talk about Yom Kippur. So we're going to read about it in Leviticus chapter 16. Excuse me. Oftentimes, this is the place where people get hung up in their uh, their yearly attempt to read through the Bible, right? In a, in a year, they get to about mm, end of January, beginning of, beginning of February, to when they get to Levit- Leviticus. And they're like, Ugh. But, so we're going to look at Leviticus chapter 16 and why Yom Kippur is so good for us today. Here we go. Um, let's stand together as we read God's Word, as we, as we honor it. I know it's going to get a little tiring because it's all the, the whole chapter, but... We want to make sure that we are honoring God's word above mine. So, here it is. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of two of Aaron's sons when they approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he may not come whenever he wants into the holy place behind the curtain in front of the mercy seat on the ark or else he will also die because I appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Aaron is to enter the most holy place in this way, with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to wear a holy linen tunic, and linen on undergarments are to be on his body. He is to tie a linen sash around him and wrap his head with a linen turban. These are holy garments. He must bathe, must bathe his body with water before he wears them. He is to take from the Israelite community two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron will present the bull for his sin offering and make atonement for himself and his household. Next, he will take the two goats and place them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. After Aaron casts lots for the two goats, one for the Lord and and the other for the uninhabitable place, He is to present the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord and sacrifice it as a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot for an an uninhabitable place is to to be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement with it by sending it into the wilderness for an uninhabitable place. For Aaron presents the bull for his sin offering and makes atonement for himself and his household. He will slaughter the bull for his sin offering. Then he is to take a firepan full of blazing coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls 
of finely ground fragrant incense and bring them inside the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord so that the cloud of incense covers the mercy seat that is over the testimony or else he will die. He is to take some of the the bull's blood and sprinkle it with his finger against the east side of the mercy seat. Then he will sprinkle some of the blood with with his finger before the mercy seat seven times. When he slaughters the male goat for the people's sin offering and brings its blood inside the curtain, he will do the same with its blood as he did with the bull's blood. He will sprinkle it against the mercy seat and in front of it. He will make atonement for the holy place in this way for all their sins because of the Israelites' impurities and rebellious acts. He will do the same for the tent of meeting that remains among them because it is surrounded by their impurities. No one may enter in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the most holy place until after he leaves, he has made, after he has made atonement for himself, his household, and the holy, holy assembly of, God, of Israel. Then he will go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He is to take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on the horns on all sides of the altar. He is to sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times to cleanse and set it apart from the Israelites' impurities. When he has finished making atonement for the holy, most holy place, the tent of meeting, and the altar, he is to present the live male goat. Aaron will lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the, all the Israelites' iniquities and rebellious acts, all their sins. He is to put them on the goat's head and send it away into the wilderness by the man appointed for the task. The goat will carry all their iniquities into a desolate land and the man will release it there. Then Aaron is to enter the tent of meeting, take off the linen garments he wore when he entered the most holy place and leave them there. He will bathe his body with water in a holy place and put on his clothes. Then he must go out and sacrifice his burnt offering and the people's burnt offering. He will make atonement for himself and for the people. He is to burn the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man who released the goat for for an uninhabitable place is to wash his clothes and bathe his body with water. Afterward, he may re-enter the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement, must be brought outside the camp and their hide, flesh, and waist burned. The one who burns them is to wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may re-enter the camp. This is to be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to practice self-denial and do no work, both the native and the alien who resides among you. Atonement will be made for you on this day to cleanse you, and you will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of complete rest for you, and you must practice self-denial, fasting. It is a permanent statute. The priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as high priest in place of his father will make atonement. He will put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and make atonement for the holy place, He will make atonement for the tent of meeting and the altar and will make atonement for the priests and all the people of the assembly. This is to be a permanent statute for you to make atonement for the Israelites once a year because of all their sins. And all this was done as the Lord commanded Moses.
Lord Jesus, we pray right now that you would open up your words to us, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would help us to celebrate this wonderful day that we remember the great atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross where you placed all of our sins upon his head and outside the camp, Lord Jesus. I pray right now that you would open up my mouth to speak your words. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to speak encouragement and to equip the saints for the work of ministry that you, would have, have, that you have called all of us to do. For Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. All right, you may, have, may be seated. Oh, wow. That can sometimes feel like you're reading a legal document in a court of law, doesn't it? <laughs> and this and this and this. There's like a lot of repet- repetitiveness and all sorts of stuff. But I tell you what, there's some good, good stuff in there. Um, and so this was the commandments in Leviticus 16 for the priesthood, for all of Israel, right? So then we get into Leviticus 23 and we get to the place, okay, this is for the individual Israelite. So this is like, what do I do? You're looking, you're looking at it as an Israelite. Hey, I heard all that and I know what's going on in the, the temple. Okay, I'm not allowed. Okay, thanks, God. What do I do? Well, here's what you do. The Lord again spoke to Moses. The tenth day of, the seventh, of this seventh month is the day of atonement. You are to hold a sacred assembly and practice self-denial. You are to present a food offering to the Lord. On this particular day, you are not to do any work, for it is the day, a day of atonement to make atonement for yourselves before the Lord your God. If any person does not practice self-denial on this particular day, he is to be cut off from his people. I will destroy among his people anyone who does any work on this same day. You are not to do any work. This is a permanent statute throughout your generations, wherever you live. It will be a Sabbath of complete rest for you, and you must practice self-denial. You are to observe your Sabbath from the evening of the ninth day to the month of the month until the following evening. So several things. Atonement is big. This is called the Day of Atonement. Actually, in Leviticus chapter 16, it says it, over, it, says it 17 times, just in that one passage. Atonement, 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 atonement. In this one, it says it quite a few times too. Atonement, atonement, atonement. The same thing with the work. Self-denial, don't work. Self-denial, don't work. So fast and sit down. Complete rest. Like we talked about last week, um, Yom Teruah was a day of complete rest. Right? The people would come and they would do absolutely no work. They would prepare everything beforehand. Now, that day wasn't a day of, of fasting. It was a day of, of joy before the Lord, a celebration, right? So this one, however, is a day of fasting. That's what self-denial means. Self-denial means no eating. So don't, don't, don't you know, self-denial, like denying yourself, working with your hands, and also eating. And that's why it's a food offering to the Lord. You're offering the Lord your food, right? So and it's, it's a day um, all about atonement, and so we're going to talk about that. So the question I want to pose to us here this morning, can Christians, can God's saints celebrate Yom Kippur? Can we celebrate it? Well, there's a lot that do. And a lot that do it in, in, in the Jewish way. But how do we as saints worship God through remembering and observing Yom Kippur? Well, let's talk about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, or it's also known as the Day of Judgment. 
And so this is the day when the priest, like we, like we just read, would go behind the veil to cleanse the temple and the altars from all the sins of Israel. So if you look at the two sacrifices, or the three, look at the bull, that was given for Aaron, or the high priest, and all of his family, to purify him and everyone else. And so the way that he would enter the temple was he would take some of the blood, the bull, the blood of the bull and dip it, his finger and his thumb and shove them through the curtain. Like, hey God, I'm, I'm clean. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. And he'd have bells on him so they could hear him inside, like, you know, shaking around and, you know, and moving around. They could hear the bells. And if they heard the bells go, shoo, and stop. They're like, oh, oh, God struck him dead. <laughs> and so they, then they always had a, a rope around his ankle to pull him out. Just in case the Lord struck him dead, you know, what would they do? Send someone else to inside to like try to get him and like, oh, he's dead too. Oh, he's dead too. <laughs> so they would, the whole village would die. So they would attach a rope to his ankle and bells around him so they could hear him moving around. So he would offer the bull for him, him, him and his family, show his cleansing and enter into the Holy of Holies and sacrifice one of the goats. So they would cast the, the lots, the, the two dice, if you will. They would cast the lots um, first to see what which of the two goats, because they would bring two rams, two goats, before the priest, and they would roll the dice, and they would choose, they would choose which one was to be sacrificed, and which one would be the one to go out into the uninhabitable place or the wilderness, and then the other dice was was for um, where they would, I think, where they would go or who was going to do it or something, something like, because one was for the Lord and one was for the place, the wilderness, um, and so. Uh, they cast lots for it, which there's a fun story about that coming up. But uh, And so then he would take the goat and take it in, and he would sacrifice the goat and splatter some of it that's blood on the mercy seat. But this goat was for cleansing the place. This this one this this goat was the blood of it was was to cleanse the altar the mercy seat and the the altar itself like put it, by putting it on the four horns of the of the altar and the tent of meeting it was a play, it was a, a sacrifice for cleansing right and they wouldn't eat it this was one of those sacrifices this is a burnt offering that they would not partake of they would not eat this sacrifice the priests or the or the or the presenter they would take it and burn everything. Right, but the main purpose of this sacrifice was its blood. Everything else was, you know, they would take the fatty portions, burn them on the altar in the temple, in the tent of meeting. But then they would burn all the rest—the flesh and the bones and the head and the hide, everything—outside the camp. And then they would come to this other goat. This is the scapegoat. This is why it's called the scapegoat. They would take all of the sins of Israel. Aaron would place his, both of his hands on the head of the goat and pray and confess all of the sins, all of the sins that, that Israel had committed that year. Every single person, every single day, every single moment, every single transgression and, and, and iniquity. He would place them all on the goat. And they would take that goat and they'd lead it out into the wilderness and let it go. They would do that because outside the, uh, during when this was written, the camp or outside of Israel was the wilderness where they believed that's where Satan and the, and the goat demons live. That is the evil place. That is outside God's holy city. That's outside of God's holy people. And that is where sin belongs. 
Sin does not belong in God's people. Paul even says, don't let this, you know, these sins be named among you, right? Sin does not belong in God's people or in God's presence, and so they cast it out. They didn't kill it. Though tradition later, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years later, had it to where the, you know, the guy would lead the goat and he would push it off a cliff and kill it. But that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be released into the place where sin belongs. They were giving all the sins back to Satan, in essence. Here's your sins back, Lucifer. (laughs) Hope you're happy, right? (coughs) Mary Yom Kippur, right? And so they would take, and this would be what atoned for the sins of Israel. They would leave. They would go out. They would be washed clean and their sins would leave. And this would make atonement for all of Israel. All of Israel, so they would do absolutely nothing. And still to this day, many of Hasidic Jews across the world do absolutely nothing on this day. What they do is they stay home, they fast, they pray, the complete rest, right? Like not even with other people. Like so many of the other fest, you know, feasts and festivals and, and, and holy days are about the community of Israel, but not this one. This, this one is like all of Israel collectively, but it really comes down to the individual person. This was the day of atonement for each individual Israelite. This was not a communal day. They would even avoid personal contact with other people on this day. It was all about praying and, and basically like you'd pray kind of the same prayer over and over again. I have faith that this will, that this goat will, sac- will save me from my sins. That I, 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 I pray and I, and I, and I deserve, sorry, I deserve. I pray and I, and I beg you, Lord Jesus, or beg you, Lord Yahweh, or Adonai, to put all of my sins on this scapegoat, Lord. That's what they would pray. They would pray, I believe, I have faith that this will take care of my sins. I believe that my sins are cast away. All the time. They would just pray that over and over and over again. Adonai, place my sins on the goat. Adonai, place my sins on the goat. And during this, this, this festival, during, or this, this day of prayer and fasting, um, um, they would, traditionally they would, um, they would wear white. Because they, they believed that by doing this, by praying these things, and by them going into the temple and doing all these things, and then sending the goat out into the wilderness, that they were that was fulfilling Isaiah uh, chapter you know chapter one, I believe, in verse eighteen. that says, you know, though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. And that's what they were believing. That's why they would wear white along with the priest. The priest normally would wear something super colorful when he was when he was offering worship. The high priest was you know, was dressing in in nice colors and and be in beautiful fabric. But not on this day. He wore plain white to represent the clarity and the cleansing of the sin of Israel. Um, another. It's kind of an interesting, a little interesting tale. That's actually um. Recorded in Josephus, uh, so for a long time, they, the a tradition 
came about to where they would tie a crimson thread on the goat and and tie it on on one of the horns as they sent it out. And they would tie another one on the the door handle to the temple. And it was like a red red thread. And so they prayed and prayed. And then when they led the goat out, they were watching the thread on on the door of the temple. And it would miraculously turn white as a rep- representation that God had received their o- had received the offering of you know excluding the sins, and so now He saw Israel as pure as 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 white, right? So and then kind of a little interesting story though. However, the forty years leading up to uh, AD seventy, so uh, like the day, the year that after Jesus, um, the the year that Jesus was crucified and rose and, and then ascended. Starting that year, it never turned white. For the rest of those 40 years, from the time that Jesus ascended to the time that, that Jerusalem was destroyed, it never turned white again. And also the lot, they, they, they believe that if it fell, fell to the left, the left you know, goat, that it was a good omen. But if it fell to the right, it was a bad omen. And for those 40 years, it only landed on the right goat. And so they interpreted it as this God stopped listening to their prayers. God stopped forgiving them. God stopped cleansing Israel because they had crucified his son, Jesus. And I wouldn't normally you know, just talk about Jewish mysticism, but that's even recorded in a secular um, uh, author with Josephus. And so there was something miraculous about this. But it's interesting to even hear, uh, you know, there's so many different th- different things that I could talk about and different rabbit trails I could go on. I just want to kind of touch on a few little things here. Because um, <coughs> we're already 25 minutes in. But, uh, but, uh, but, but there's a, a greeting on, on, uh, on uh, Yom Kippur. If you did greet people, or during this time was this this phrase, gemar uh, gemar chatima tova, or the shortened gemar tov. Uh, basically, may you be sealed in uh, may may you be sealed for good in the book of life. That was their greeting to each other. And so, but here's the here's the the reason, is because um, they they saw it as uh, as a very heavy day that they could either do good or they could either do bad. They could either be forgiven or they could not. And so their desire was to be forgiven of all their sins. Their desire was to be, uh, was to be written in the Lamb's book, or in, to be written in God's book of life. That was their hope. That was their desire. Um, it was a day of complete rest. But it's interesting, today, there's no more temple. There's no more temple. The Jewish people try to do many good works, you know, donate to charities, restore relationships, forgive people, and spend a lot of time in prayer in the synagogue. This time is still for the Jewish people uh, this this season between Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, and and the ten days in between there and Yom Kippur are known as the Days of Awe, 
where people try to get themselves right. They try to clean themselves up. They try to do exactly kind of like the Jewish Lent, right? It's this, this period of trying to do good works instead of bad works, trying to almost redeem yourself and kind of clean yourself up so you don't have as many sins to cast on the scapegoat or something. Some, some weirdness. But they try to forgive people, spend a lot of time in prayer in the synagogue, all because they believe that Yom Kippur, that on Yom Kippur, the future of every individual would be sealed. The gates of heaven would be closed. This is a time for great anxiety for the Jews. Always has been. Because their very soul hangs in the balance. But it can be a time of great joy for the saints. This is the good news. This is how and why we can celebrate Yom Kippur. Look at Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we can receive mercy. So we, I'm sorry, receive, find grace to help us in a time of need. Think about this. That very first, you know, verse two of Leviticus 16. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he may not come whenever he wants into the holy place behind the curtain in front of the mercy seat on the ark or else he will die because I appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. But, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may find mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. The gospel is the great fulfillment of Yom Kippur. Even the best in Israelite could not look upon God. The priest, the high priest himself, couldn't go in there whenever he wanted to, but we're invited anytime we want to walk in, to run in through the doors and, and curl up in our father's lap. We're invited from the greatest to the least into Yahweh's presence. To even say His name. We can say the word Yahweh. We can say His name. Cry out to Him. Because they couldn't. They would say Adonai, which is the word for Father. The formal word for Father. 
we can go, we can run, we can enter into His very throne room. We can go to the mercy seat of Christ. We are invited into His throne room this morning as we worship Him. Moving on. More good news. But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is, not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all time. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish, to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Hebrews chapter 10, 1 through, 1 through 25. Listen, all these verses are about all the things in the law and how Jesus fulfills them. Listen to this. Hebrews, whoa. Hebrews chapter 10. <coughs> Listen to these words. Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the reality of itself, of those things, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year after year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered? Since the worshipers purified once for all would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year after year after year after year after year. It is impossible. Listen to this. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, he was coming into the world. As he was coming into the world, he says, he said, you do not desire sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, see, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, God. After he says above, you did not, you did not, desire or or delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. He then says, See, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this we we have been sanctified, made holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Every priest stands day after day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time after time after time which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For after it, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After those days, the Lord says, I will put my ways, my laws, my opinions, my worldview on their hearts, my namas, and write them on their minds. And I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now where there is forgiveness of, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Let me read that one again. Now where there is forgiveness already 
established, perfected for all time, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in in the habit of doing, but encouraging one and each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Man, that's good stuff. Do you see the goodness of how and why we can celebrate Yom Kippur? Do you see that Jesus Christ, our great high priest, went in behind the curtain and offered himself? He was also led out of the camp. All of our sins were placed upon him and he died. He was sacrificed for us in our place. All of our sin, all of our transgression. Because He gave us complete and utter forgiveness of sins. So there's no longer any offerings to be made. There's no more offerings to be made. All What He says is, give the Lord your very life. That's what it means to come to faith and, be, and to have faith in God. Is giving Him your life. Like what it says, Romans 12, right? To offer your bodies... Not just your bodies. That word is soma. Offer your somas, your entire personhood, your body, soul, and spirit to God. For His use, for His service. Walking by His Holy Spirit. Walking and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So Yom Kippur, because we are forgiven, we're not seeking God's forgiveness because we already have it. We thank Him for it, but it is a time of reflection. We can take this time to reflect, to, to focus on being sober-minded and peaceful. Let's, look at, let's kind of break those down. So as we talked about, these ten days of awe, Yom Kippur is, you know, for them, is the holiest Jewish day of the year. Um, for the church, we believe the final sacrifice has been done. Jesus has purified us and sanctified us. He has made us holy. He has... We were in the world, now we're in Him. If anyone is in Christ, He is a what? New creation. The old has passed. The new has come. And we can reflect on our lives. This day we, or this season can be one of reflection, like dealing with the areas... Mentally or emotionally, spiritually, that are that kind of like are, are hurting, like the point, the pain points in our lives, the thing that's like, okay, why do I keep doing that stupid thing? Why do I keep going back to the same stupid things? Why am I addicted addicted to binge watching Netflix? Why do I waste my time? Why am I wasting my life? Why do I keep yelling at my kids? Why do I keep choosing other things besides my spouse? Why do I keep running to this or that? 
Why do I go to the alcohol when I feel stressed and anxious and overindulge to escape? This self-reflection, this metanoia. This would be a great season of metanoia. Remember that word, you know, repentance, metanoia, change, shift your mind, your thinking, your logic. How can you, how can God be, how can you invite God into your life to metanoia in your heart and mind? So that you can walk away from the guilt and the shame that the enemy is trying to bring into your life. By not giving him a door to say, oh, look at you, look at you. Look at how dirty you are. Look at all this sin in your life. Sinner. Go wallow in your self-pity. That's not God's desire for us. God died for our forgive for the forgiveness of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to cleanse us from guilt and to cleanse us from all shame. It's shame and guilt is not a tool of the Holy Spirit. Encouragement and truth, love and grace are the ways of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not to be confused with, yeah, you're doing these things, don't worry about it, I already covered it, just do whatever you want. That's, no, 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 no. It's not what we're talking about. He's saying, I'm bringing these things to mind, I'm bringing the truth to mind so that I can bring life there. You're doing things that are bringing this guilt and shame on you, bringing brokenness of relationship with others, and I'm trying to bring life and shalom to your life. Shalom to my church, to my kingdom. That's what my kingdom is all about, is shalom. Flourishing as God intended. It's a time to bring sober-mindedness Remember with this word we talked about last, or last week or a couple weeks ago? This gumption, right? Power, love, and gumption. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Mighty works, right? Marvelous works. Love, agape, devotion, steadfast faithfulness, and self-control, right? Gumption. It's actually it's this intentionality of mind, this focus of our lives. To be reminded. To refocus. He wants to inspire us again. He wants to encourage us and to help our minds be single focused on Him. And peace. We don't engage with God and try to be good enough for God. Good Christians. Or try to be good enough for Christians. Or even trying to be good enough for ourselves. Sometimes we're our own worst critics. Most, okay, most of the time, we're our own worst, worst critics, right? Yeah. I think, I've, I think I've said this before, but one of my favorite times, it's always reminding me, coming to, coming to my mind, is when I would you know, kind of berate myself and just talk down to myself. Oh, you're so stupid, Alan. Oh, my gosh, stop it. You're an idiot. And my wife said, stop talking that way about my husband. I was like, yes, ma'am. But that is what God is saying to you. Stop cursing my son or daughter. Stop it. Because what I say about them is more important. 
What God says about you is more important. And we can engage with God because He has made us good enough by the blood of His cross. He wants to empower us for, what did He say? I love it. Yeah, I love that. You know, love and good works. What, is, what does he say about that? Let us consider how to what? Provoke. provoke. You know, kind of the, the old Facebook poking, right? Poke, 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 poke. How can you annoy each other into love and good works? <laughs> how can you constantly berate your, your, your neighbor with love and encourage them to love and have more love and do good and do what God has called you to do? Remember, all these, all the miraculous and mighty, marvelous works of God were done by a willing servant, not a powerful celebrity. Oftentimes, the powerful works that God did did through them made them pretty popular in celebrity. Like, oh, oh yeah, I know that guy. I know Moses now. He's the one that uh, caused all the things and the the things and the, the, the thing and, right? But oftentimes, you know, the people who God uses are obscure. No one knows their name. No one knows their past. All they know is what God is doing through them. So the question is, can Christians celebrate Yom Kippur? Short answer, yes! Indeed! Indubitably! Christians can and should Celebrate Yom Kippur. We don't celebrate it like Jews do, like the Jewish people did and still do today. We don't celebrate it like legalistic Christians do today. We, as God's saints, can celebrate Yom Kippur with greater hope and greater peace because of His sacrifice, cleansing, and the invitation of Jesus Christ that He's made for us to be able to come to the Father. All, it's all because of Jesus Christ. We can come boldly to the Father. We can come with confidence to the mercy seat to, refine mer- to find mercy and grace in a time of need. Because Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is a time for reflection, sober, sober-mindedness, and peace through faith. Believe what God has said about you. Believe what God has said in His Word about what He did on the cross and the empty tomb and the outpouring of His Holy Spirit and the giving of His Word. Remember whose you are. And remember the might and the power and the glory of your good Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, you are our great sacrificial lamb who took away our sins, gave us forgiveness and reconciled us to you, God. Let us walk in that reality. Let us walk in that truth that you have, that you who knew no sin became sin itself so that in you we would become your very righteousness. Help us to walk in the newness of life, Lord. Help us to keep in step with your Holy Spirit. Help us to use this season of, for reflection, for inspiration, 
and for gumption, Lord, and for peace. To let all the worries of the and anxieties in the, in us around the world around the world, you know, or around us, Lord, just fade away in light of your presence. It's so easy to get anxious and worried in, the, in our world today. But Lord, we, we know that you are in control of all things. Nothing happens outside of your, your sight. And Lord, no matter what happens in this world, Lord, we will worship you. We will glorify you. We will run to you our hope and our salvation. You are good. Help us to rest in your peace. Let us make every effort to enter your rest. First in Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen.